Welcome, folks, to another episode of Tank Talk. I'm so excited to be here with you today to talk all about the aquarium hobby and how it's impacting lives all over the world. Unfortunately, today, running solo. Lisa had a bunch of stuff going on. Nothing earth shattering. Don't worry about it. She will be here next week. And we have a special guest, another special guest coming up in a couple of weeks. And I think it's going to be a topic that everyone is going to be interested in. Now, today we're talking all about a certain type of people that I'm not very fond of, and that would be the my way or the highway people. There's a lot of them out there. They're on social media. They're on forums. They're on websites. They're at clubs. They're everywhere. And today we're going to spend some time talking about them. But before we get into that, I want to update you on something very, very cool that we've just added to our website, keepfishkeeping.com. Been looking at this for a long time and then just realized that one of the distributors that we deal with, our favorite distributor, has just brought this in. And so I'm very excited because we can get this from him, which means it's easily accessible and we will rarely go out of stock. If we go out of stock, it's because he went out of stock and he doesn't go out of stock all that much. I'm talking about every aquascaper's favorite aquascaping item, spiderwood. We've got it in two different sizes. This would be the small slash medium size, which is about, this is about 10 inches across. Of course, you know, what you get is not gonna be this, it's a natural product. So yours is gonna look different than this, unless you happen to be the one that I send this to, but all of them are gonna be very different, which is very cool. This is the tiny variety. Uh, this one is, this particular piece, about seven inches long. So these are great for small aquariums, nano aquariums, or even big ones. You can pile them up in the corner, get a bunch of pieces of it and make a fancy thing out of it. I don't know, but I'm not an aquascaper. I try to be, but I'm not as good as my wife. That's for sure. She has taken these before and just put a whole bunch of them together and made this really intricate looking web type thing. Very, very cool. And we've got them available in two sizes, but that's not all because we also brought in another type. This is brand new to us and I'm very excited about it. This is black spiderwood. That's not jet black. It's not like it's ebony black, but you can tell it is significantly different in color to the standard spiderwood. This is very, very neat, very unique. This is the only size that we have available if you were to order this you'll get a similar size, might be a little smaller, might be a little bit bigger, but they're all awesome. Again, random. I'm gonna basically, whenever somebody orders one of these, I pick out the nicest piece that we have at the time, and that's what I ship to that customer, whatever type of wood that we have. We also got in a nice shipment of the Malaysian driftwood. I've shown that a million times. I didn't bring that in here with me today to show that to you. So get on there now get you some spider wood and make you a fancy little aquascape. So today's main topic came from one of my least favorite places in the world. And a lot of YouTubers would hear me say that and say, oh, John, that's like blaspheme to say that. But uh, th those people are lying to you. I'm talking about the comment section on YouTube. The comment section can be a beautiful place but it can also be a total nightmare. And so I do my best to stay away from it because there's so many things that can just get me off my game that happen on the comment section. I've talked about it in the past and people have wondered like, wow, I wonder why he's doing that. It's way too easy for one comment to influence major decisions that go on on the channel. There could be 99 positive comments and that one negative comment can influence things into a completely different direction. Or it could be the other way around. You could have 99 negative comments, but then that one positive comment makes you say, well, I'm doing things perfectly. This guy thinks so. I don't like that. I don't like being influenced by the comment section. So I try to stay away from it as much as I can and, and just have faith that I'm doing the right thing. But when I need content, or if I just need an excuse to hate myself, I will go to the YouTube comment section and I'll check it out. I'll dig through there. I'll find some things that uh, might make me happy, 
might make me mad, might make me sad. You never know what you're going to find. It is the Wild Wild West in there. But I found a comment on my video that is titled, uh, If You Hear This Advice, Run Away. This was a video that I did. It's kind of a similar topic to what we're talking about here today. It, you know, the, the internet is a the wild, wild west. I just said it. Anybody can put whatever they want in there. You're not fact-checked. You're not anything. You're just putting up your opinion, and that opinion can turn into the gospel truth throughout the internet. And there was one particular piece of advice that I saw quite a bit out there that I was I said in that video if you hear this run away and never listen to that person again but the comment that I got from that is not necessarily exactly about that 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 topic in that video uh, the comment was from Yara sub I hope I'm saying the name right not sure if I am if I'm not I'm sorry I don't go to forums anymore, just too many opposite opinions and too many old school outdated advice. I have my three YouTuber pros and that makes it all easier and they know their stuff backed by years of experience. Now you see that comment and you're like, well, that's not bad. No, it's not. I, I wasn't claiming that it was a bad comment from Yara, Yara Sub. I'm saying it sparked a lot of interest in me. There was a few different points from this particular comment that just made me say, you know, I could probably spend some time talking about that. And it might be something that is of value to Tank Talk viewers and Tank Talk listeners. The first thing is, I, I want to say this, I want to be very clear. If I haven't been enough already, I'm not picking on Yara Sub. I'm not trying to call this person out or anything like that. It's just a couple of things that I wanted to, to talk about. Not picking on the guy. I'm not mad at the guy. It's not a bad comment. The first thing is the opposite opinions part that uh, he, I, I'm just going to say he for the sake of this conversation, because I refuse to refer to one person as they, because that just sounds ridiculous. He, if it's a she, sorry, but he said just too many opposite opinions. And that could go a lot of different ways. You could look at that uh, in, in several different ways. You can look at it as, well, you've got this guy that says this, this guy that says that, this girl that says that, and this gal that says that, and they're all different. Oh no, who do I listen to? That is a big problem. Now for me, I kind of like that. Whatever it is that I'm looking into, whether I'm watching movie reviews or tool reviews or car reviews or whatever it is that I'm watching, I like to get a lot of different opinions and, and hear from all different sides. So if you have something that you are asking a question about or you're just reading into something, doing some Google research, and you see a lot of different point of views, that's a good thing. I, I wouldn't look at that as a bad thing. There's too many opposite opinions. Now, I do understand that it's easy to be like, I just don't know what to think. There's so many different opinions out there. Which one is the right one? My advice in that kind of a scenario is absorb all of it. You've got 10 or 12 or a thousand people that are all giving their opinions, when you absorb as much of that as you can, you start to notice things leaning one way or the other. You know, a perfect example would be uh, if you're watching a, well, I was going to do a restaurant as an analogy, but let's say a fish food. You go on the devil's website or my website and you're reading reviews for a particular type of fish food. If you read one is good, one is bad, and you're like, well, it's 50%. 50% of the people say this is good, 50% of it say it's bad. If you only read the first two reviews, you may think that way. But if you read the next one, that one might be positive. Third one, maybe that one's positive too. Fourth one, all of a sudden, you read through 25, and there's 24 that are positive reviews and the one is negative. You almost made your decision based on just two reviews. But after reading 25, you realize, oh, 
It was just that one person that didn't have the best experience. They put the food in there, the fish didn't eat it. That doesn't make it a bad food. That just means his fish didn't like it. So I almost made the decision not to buy this food based on a 50% positive review, when in all actuality, it was 24 out of 25 comment or uh, reviews were positive. I don't know what kind of percentage that works out to be, but it's a whole lot more than 50-50. So getting as much information as possible is the critical thing. And so in that situation, opposite opinions to me are a good thing. I don't want to go somewhere to read into something and everybody is in agreement. That's bad because now you're going to make your decision. You're going to go into it assuming everything's perfect. You've never heard anything negative about this and it might be a humongous mistake. It could be that people are just sheep following along. I've seen that so many times. There are names that pop up in my comment section all the time. Again, this is why I try to stay away from it, where there, there's certain people on YouTube that whatever they say, it's automatically assumed as being gospel. It's encyclopedia facts that are being put out there by this particular person. And it couldn't be further from the truth. In this guy's opinion, that guy's opinion, it's fact. My opinion, oh no, it's not. And But you do have a lot of people that are sheepishly following, that's a hard word to say, following along with whatever particular people say. If you fall into that, you could be making a mistake. So you, you have to get as much information as possible. You certainly don't want it all from one source. Now, or it could be this other thing that I particularly hate. There's another way of looking at too many opposite opinions. And that could be what is a global problem. It's a big problem in our community, but it's a big problem everywhere. And that is that the opinion that is read is simply the opposite of my opinion. Therefore, I don't like it. Now I understand if you feel a particular way and somebody tells you that you're wrong, that doesn't feel good. Nobody likes to be told that they're wrong or nobody likes to be told that their opinion is bad. But sometimes it is. Sometimes you are wrong. Sometimes the way you're doing this is a mistake or the way you're approaching a particular situation is a mistake. You don't think so, but they do. And when that happens, when you when you're told that you're making a mistake or when you're told that you just have your facts wrong, it doesn't feel good. Nobody likes to hear that. Everybody wants to think that they're doing everything right. And they are the ones that are making all the right decisions. And if anybody says anything differently, they are wrong. They are the enemy. They need to be shut down. These are the people that I can't stand. I don't want to be around these people. I don't want to socialize with these people. And I'd rather these people not be in my comment section. These people that believe that their opinion is the one. And if you disagree, well, you're just wrong. Now, I understand opinions are opinions. Opinions might be based on facts, but opinions are opinions. This is simply how I feel about something. And if somebody else feels a different way, that doesn't make either one of you the right or wrong person. And I know a lot of times people go online and what they're looking for is for people to say what they want to hear. A, a good example would be, we see this a lot and this is why I don't, I'm not on Facebook at all, ever, because I just can't stand this. You see somebody that'll put up a, a photo or maybe a little video clip of their aquarium. Their aquarium is something that they're very proud of. And an experienced fish keeper might look at that aquarium and go, ooh, there's gonna be some big problems there. You've got an Oscar in a 29 gallon tank or you've got goldfish in a heavily planted tank. The goldfish are just gonna tear that up. It's, it's a disaster waiting to happen or whatever it is. but. I'm somebody that's in my feelings too much. I can't stand when people react that way because 
a lot of times they come across as just being total jerks. You shouldn't do that. Your tank is set up wrong. You're killing your fish. You're killing your plants. You're doing this. You're terrible. You should shut that all down. You should just quit this hobby. This hobby's not for you. You see that stuff. I realize it's extreme. You don't see that all the time, but it's out there. There are people that react that way. And I'm somebody that likes to be a straight shooter and likes to be blunt when necessary. But I also understand that, that people's feelings about these things are fragile. Now, listen, I don't cater to snowflakes. I, I certainly don't. However, I can look at a scenario and I can say, you know, this person is very proud of what they've done. We're looking at this this photo online. We don't know anything about the person that put it up there. It might be a nine-year-old. And they put this together and they're very proud of it. And they put a photo of it. And now everybody's shitting on them for it. That, that just irks me. It's like, hey, wait a minute. There is a tactful way of doing this. Because if you just trash that person, that person might be like, you know what? This community sucks. I'm out. And we can't afford for that to happen. I don't mean businesses like mine can't afford it. I'm saying as a hobby, we can't afford to be scaring people away. There's a better way of doing these kind of things, which would be, hey, listen, it looks really good. I, I really like what you've done. However, we might have an issue. And maybe we ought to think about this. Maybe we ought to think about doing it a little bit differently. That 29 gallon tank looks great and it's gonna be fine for now. But in six months, that Oscar is gonna start having problems because it's just not enough room for that fish. You're putting a Great Dane in a crate the size of a Chihuahua. This isn't gonna work. So what we need to do is we need to start looking ahead. This tank looks great right now, but we need to start looking down the road. We need to start looking at what we're gonna do to, to treat this fish properly, to care for this fish properly. There's a tactful way of doing it, but unfortunately there's way too many assholes online that are just gonna be like, you're, you're killing your fish, that's terrible. You, you, know, you don't know what you're talking about with fish keeping. And so if Yara Sub, I keep having to look at the name because I can't remember it. Yara Sub is saying that I don't like that. Well, hey, I, I can't blame you. I can't blame you that, that you don't like that. However, I've been talking about this, you know, I, I, people don't want to go somewhere where they might hear an opposite opinion. They might get ridiculed. I completely understand that. But there's also the people that they just don't ever want to hear that they're doing anything wrong. And if they do, that, that's going to make them react in a way that they probably shouldn't. I, I don't know how, how to explain this the best way, but there are people who know that what they're doing might not fly, might not be the best case scenario. They put rummy nose Tetras with Oscars. I, why do I always talk about Oscars? I don't know. I love them. That's why. And I'm looking at three of them as we speak. But you put rummy nose tetras with Oscars, and you know that's wrong. You know that that is a recipe for disaster. That is a very expensive snack for those Oscars. Rummy nose aren't expensive, but when you consider you're paying, you know, six, seven dollars for something that's going to go down the throat of that Oscar like that, it's pretty expensive. I mean, you don't even spend eight dollars for a hamburger when you go to the store to feed yourself or when you go to the restaurant. But that, that's a very expensive feeder. And you know that. You know that that's, that's wrong. And you don't want to go anywhere where people are going to tell you something that you know. You know that the plants that you put with those goldfish, you know it's not going to work. And you, you, every single person that's ever existed has told you that's probably not going to be a good idea. There are some plants that can go with goldfish, but these, no. It's not going to work. You know people are going to tell you that, so you avoid it completely. I mean, <laughs> if you're doing the wrong thing and you know that you're doing the wrong thing, 
I kind of don't blame you for going on to social media uh, and, and knowing what's going to be coming at you. And so just avoiding it altogether. I get it. It doesn't make it right, but I kind of understand. You know you're doing something wrong. You know you're going to get ridiculed for it. So you just say, forget it. I'm just not going to expose myself to that kind of thing. I understand it. I am also one of these people that understands. I don't want to say rules are meant to be broken, but there are a lot of quote unquote rules in the aquarium hobby. Well, they're just dumb. They're just dumb rules. They're, they're not true. They've been proven to be false over and over and over and over again. But yet there's people that still go out there and do that. I'm one of these people that, that likes to push those buttons. You know, hey, listen. Okay, here's a great example. For the longest time, there were people on the internet.com that would say, if you put peacocks, haps, and imbunas together, you are doing this wrong. If you put three fish that originate from the same lake in Africa, which I, I understand, none of them have seen that lake in Africa, unless you're buying wild caught. And if you are, okay, it's a different conversation for you. But most of us are buying fish from a, that originated from a farm where they were also all in the same water and they were brought to your fish store and you bought them there. But these fish in nature are all together all the time. And so to say putting them into a tank together is ridiculous. You can't do that. They're all going to die. It's absolutely outrageous. And I've done it a million times. The only reason I don't have any imbunas in this tank right now is because I have a tank right next to it that's full of imbunas. I've separated the two for effect. I like to have the all blacked out tank with yellow labs in it just popping. And this one, it's not all blacked out, but having the fish pop in it, which they really don't do right now. The tank needs a water change, but you understand what I'm saying. I have them separated because I can and because I wanted all yellow labs in my second 240. Now, if you look at these two tanks, which those that are listening to us, you're not able to see the two tanks, but to describe what's going on, I have a 240 gallon that is full of probably 65 yellow labs, yellow libidochromis and bonus. And then next to that, I have another 240 gallon, same exact size aquarium that's full of peacocks and halves. I have them separated. If I was to put those 60 yellow labs in with the peacocks and haps, it wouldn't have the same effect. It wouldn't be, oh wow, look at that tank with all those yellow fish in it. It would just be, oh look at that tank with a bunch of really cool fish in it. It wouldn't single them out. I had a very particular agenda when I set up that yellow lab tank and that was to set up a tank full of fish that a lot of people wouldn't consider doing. They wouldn't look at yellow labs as being something they should dedicate an entire 240 gallon, $6,000 setup. They wouldn't dare limit themselves to only one fish to something like that, particularly a fish that a lot of people look at as kind of a beginner, kind of a, kind of a throwaway fish, dare I say, because they're absolutely gorgeous. I wanted to make a statement with that. So I separated the two. I'm also capable of doing that because I have multiple tanks. But if I was to put those yellow labs in with my peacocks and haps, guess what would happen? Nothing. <laughs> okay, I shouldn't say that because some of my yellow labs are really, really, really small. And some of my big haps in there, like the Borlei and the Fusco and the Barracuda, the Barracuda would devour probably a dozen of those yellow labs the second I put them in there. So there is that. But if they were large enough to not get eaten by the other fish, they would just go in there and it would be a tank full of a bunch of fish and it would be fine. The people who say you can't mix them together, they're just not correct. I mean, the people who say you can't mix neon tetras with Oscars, those people are correct for obvious reasons. But with this, Peacocks and haps mixed with imbunas to say that the three of those can't go together is just false. I've done it 
more times than I can count. But back in the day, if I had based my opinion on what the internet is saying, it would be, no, I can't do that. I can't do that because X YouTuber says you can't mix those three. And, and he knows that would be a huge mistake because it can obviously be done. These three fish originate in nature together. That's where they come from. None of them have seen it, but that's where they come from. To say that they can't be mixed is absolutely outrageous. So anyway, I'm somebody that likes to, to kind of, I don't want to say push boundaries because it's not like I'm some kind of pioneer that's doing crazy things. Having a tank full of yellow labs and, or even putting in bunas with peacocks and haps is not like some outrageous thing, but it is, if I was to set up a, another tank and have peacocks, haps, and bunas in it, I would post that online knowing that there's going to be people that were from back in the day that think they're smarter than me, and they probably are, but not when it comes to this particular topic. I know there's going to be people that are going to comment, you know, you shouldn't do that. Mbunas, peacocks, and haps, they all require different diets, and you have to do this, and you have to do that, and the water requirements are different, and they're, they're decorating requirements are different. You should not mix those three. I know people are going to say that. And so if I don't want that, I'll just avoid it. And that is where, uh, th that's just another thing here that we can look at the opposite opinions that Yara Sub might be talking about. It's, I, I know I'm going to get ridicule, so I don't go on there. Or it could be, you know, there's so many opinions. I, I, don't, I don't know which one is right and which one is wrong. So I just stay away from it. Either of those, I kind of get. I think that getting the most opinions possible is best. But I also understand that can be kind of overwhelming. You want an answer. You want an answer right now. This hobby doesn't really work that way. But, you know, if that's what you're looking for, I can understand wanting to avoid forums and all of that kind of stuff because it's just too much. Or if you're, you just don't feel like hearing what you know you're going to hear, kind of understand that too. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I know I went on real long with that, but the too many opposite opinions, that just jumped out at me like, ah, oh, that could go so many different ways. I thought I would uh, see if I can make sense out of it. And the next thing on Yara Sub, I keep wanting to say Yaroslav. I don't know why, but Yara Sub said uh, there is too much, too many old school, outdated advice. Grammatically, that doesn't make sense, but it was supposed to say too much old school, outdated advice. I have a problem with this one because fish keeping has always been about filling up a glass box full of water, putting in some type of filtration, or if you're LR Brett's not putting any filtration at all, that's perfectly fine for that particular type of fish in that particular setup. You can certainly get away with that. But most, probably 95% of fish keepers since way, way back, have filled up a glass box full of water. They put a filter in it. They put some kind of light over it, whether it's a desk lamp or a fancy Fluval 3.0, whatever it is, they put that over top of it. They keep their water clean, they feed their fish, and they enjoy this hobby. It's been done the same way since as far back as probably any of us would ever know. Uh, I'm pushing 50 years old. I'm going to be 50 next year, and uh, I'm going to be forced to put myself in that category of old timers. I've been doing things, I've been doing this for 30 years. I did take a couple of breaks in there, but for basically 30 years, I've been a fish keeper. And when I started in this hobby, what were we doing? We were buying AquaClear hang on back filters, at least that's what I think they were. We were putting those on our tanks. We had a little glass tube heater in there. Uh, I, I bought starter kits. So we had the black, ugly fluorescent light that went on the top. It works perfectly fine. I shouldn't have said ugly. That might have hurt some people's feelings. Here I go again. But you know what I'm saying. It's, it's not the most 
attractive when you compare it to the lights that we have today. But we had a light, we had a filter, we had a heater, we filled the glass box full of water, we put whatever decorations we wanted in there, and that's how we did this. And how are we doing things now? We're doing things the exact same way. Yeah, there are other options now. You know, if you go back, I remember seeing a video, and this one, this video was fascinating. I don't recall where I saw it. It was probably on YouTube, but it was a video that was from like the 50s. And it showed a little kid. It was like an educational video on, uh, on, on how to set up an aquarium, but it was in like 1955 that this video was made. And it showed this young fella sitting in front of probably, it looked like a 10 gallon aquarium, but I think later on in the video, they were talking about five gallon. I'm not sure, but you look at this and you're like, oh, everything is wrong with that. Live plants with goldfish, goldfish in a five gallon tank. Oh, there's so many things that would make us in 2023 go crazy about this. But the reason why I'm talking about it is the point that was made with this video. Uh, we're, we're filling up the glass box full of water. We are putting a filter on there. We're running air into it to help with the oxygenation process. Uh, I, I don't know if they put a heater in the tank. I, I don't think they did because it was goldfish. And were there heaters back in the 50s? I'm not even sure. But this tank that this kid set up was very basic. It was very simple. And the standards that we have today are very, very different. First thing being the aquarium size is way too small. The plants with goldfish, can it be done? I'm sure it can. But would anybody recommend it? Probably not. I know there are some plants that can coexist with goldfish, but most goldfish are just going to tear them up and, and just have a frenzy on the plants. And so they won't work out. We know that now. Maybe they didn't know that then. I don't know. Uh, but what they relied on back then in the 50s when they made this video was plants to assist with filtration. You have air moving in the tank, which also helps with the oxygenation process and all of that kind of stuff. And they talked in that video about water changes and they showed this weird device i haven't seen this video in probably 10 years but they they had this this the kid had this weird device that he put in the water to vacuum the gravel it was really strange i, I don't even know what it was i've never seen anything like that but the point that i'm trying to make is the concepts were all the same we want the water to be moving the, the more fish we have in there, the more we want the water moving. We want to have some type of filtration in there. We've got the live plants to assist with the filtration process, to help with the oxygenation process, to help with keeping the water clean and, and free of nitrates. I don't know if they mentioned nitrates in that video. If I knew I was gonna be talking about it, I should have watched that video again before doing this video or doing this podcast. But it was a fascinating video showing how they did things and looking at it as not very different from what we're doing now. I think the biggest difference in that video compared to what a current video like that would be, I don't think they put a light on that aquarium. And when you have live plants and you don't have a light, sure, there's certain plants that, it, that could work. And I don't even know what kind of plants it was that this kid put in the tank. I don't know where this video came from. I don't know what it was for. But the whole reason why I'm talking about it is because in that video, you have a kid that puts a little filter on the tank. At least I think he did an air-driven filter. They talked about temperature. They talked about a sand substrate. They talked about using plants to help with the, the cleanliness and the health of the aquarium. They talked about feeding, not overfeeding, doing all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, the advice was bad about the aquarium size for goldfish, three of them in a 10 gallon tank. And they did say the one inch per gallon, uh, one inch of fish per gallon of water. We know how I feel about that. I think that's the dumbest rule that's ever been created. So sure, that one could be said as being outdated. I don't know if that was the gospel truth back then or what, but if they put it in an educational video, I would assume that it was something that uh, was just out there and that's what everybody used as the standards. But 
aside from that one inch per of fish per gallon thing, the concepts were the same. You're, put, you're filling a glass box full of water, you're putting a filter on there, you're putting plants in there. Not everybody does plants, but you're, you're not overfeeding your fish, you're doing your water changes, you're in there. They talked about letting the, the uh, what did they call it? I don't remember how, what they called it in the video, but basically aging the water for a week, letting the chlorine gas out of it. Uh, they talked about that. They're doing the exact same things that we do now. We have fancier gadgets. We have fancier equipment that, in my opinion, can help run the aquarium more efficiently. But the concepts are the same. So there might be outdated styles of things. You know, they had box filters. Then we have sponge filters now, which you can still get box filters too. But, you know, maybe the styles of things have changed, but the concepts have not. If you talked to a old timer back in the 60s when they weren't an old timer, that person would say, yep, I uh, do about a 50% water change every single week. I age my water to get rid of the chlorine. And uh, you know, I, I, I vacuum out the gravel or the sand and I remove all of the fish waste and stuff like that. And I replace the water. I don't overfeed my fish. I put plants in there to help keep things healthy and, and all of that, you know. And if you fast forward, to 2023 and you ask an old timer, they're gonna say the exact same thing. Maybe they're gonna say, I have a hang on the back filter and you know, I, I, uh, I, I service that when needed and I have a heater now, my lights are a lot fancier. Things are better, things are more efficient, things are more modern, but the concept is the same. What that old timer was doing now versus what that old timer was doing then, they are the same. It might be more modernized, but it is the same concept. So old school, too much old school, uh, uh, that one bothers me because it is so much the same. I mean, we've all kept glass boxes full of water. We were doing it the same way then that we are now. We just have fancier stuff now. And the last thing that Yara Sub said was, I have my three YouTuber pros and that makes it all easier. And they know their stuff backed by years of experience. Um, you were just talking about old school, outdated years of experience advice that you didn't like. But anyway, listen, I appreciate, I, I, no, well, I don't know if Yara Sub was talking about me, commented on my video. Uh, so I'm gonna assume that he was, I'm maybe one of those three. And for that, I appreciate it very much. I appreciate that you have that level of trust in me, that you know what I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to BS you. I'm going to give you my best advice possible. Uh, I could be wrong, but you at least trust me with that information. I appreciate that very much. And let's say that the other two are Jason from Primetime Aquatics and Jay Wilson. Those are the three YouTubers. I'm going to say this. It's going to be very bold and it's going to sound like I am talking negatively about Primetime Aquatics and Jay Wilson, but I can assure you I'm not. And I can assure you that both of those guys would agree with me, Joanna too, because Primetime is a duo. It's not just Jason, just like I'm not just, KG Tropicals is not just me. It's me and Lisa. Today it's just me, but you know what I'm saying. If I was to say this to Jason and Jay, they would agree. If you are only getting your information from three different YouTubers, even if it is me and Jason and Jay, you're making a mistake. You're missing out on a lot of different other point of views. You're missing out on other angles of looking at things. You're missing out on a lot of different advice, a lot of different information. And like I've been saying throughout this video, you should be getting as much information as possible to formulate your opinion. This is something I particularly enjoy doing. If I want a new piece of tech, let's say, there is the one go-to YouTube channel that in my opinion, their advice is paramount. It is the, that's the first place I'm gonna go. And that's Marquez Brownlee on YouTube. If it's anything tech, if it's a phone, if it's a new laptop, it's a new 
he doesn't really talk about cameras, but not actual cameras. He talks about phone cameras all the time, but a new fancy gadget or piece of tech. If Marquez Brownlee, MKBHD, has made a video about it, that's going to be the first one that I'm going to watch. But is that where I stop? Okay, Marquez said it's a really good product. Now my decision is made? Oh, no. No, no. I have a whole lot of others, which I... Gerald Undone is one. Um, Everyday Dad? Is that the name? I, I, I don't know. There's a bunch of channels. I, they're just... They pop up. As soon as I type in something, they pop up because I'm subscribed to a lot of these channels. I will watch as many of them as possible. And for me, I actually like that. If I'm looking into something, that's fun to go on YouTube and watch as many reviews or, or whatever as possible. Get as many point of views. And when it gets to the point where I start hearing the same stuff all over, over and over and over and over again, the same statistics and the same, oh, it's just too much, then I'm like, okay, that's enough. But I'm not going to just go to Marquez Brownlee and say, he says this is good, therefore I'm going to go buy it. I'm not going to do that. I want to hear what a bunch of people say. So though I appreciate you putting that kind of faith in me, if I am one of those people that's on your list of three, I appreciate that very much. That, that makes me very happy. That's why we do it. However, I do think you're making a mistake. I think you should be watching as many YouTube channels as you possibly can, getting as much information as possible. If you're looking into a particular fish and you search that fish and you see that I've done a profile of that fish, please watch it. I mean, I'd be glad if you did. However, there's nobody doing fish profiles on the internet better than Primetime Aquatics. And if I've done it, I promise you he's done it too. So you should definitely watch him as well. And then maybe Lefty3213A did a review of it. Maybe Aquarium Co-op did one. Maybe, uh, who I don't know, Fishroom Fever, Chattanooga Ed, Bob Steenfot. There's so many channels out there that may have also done profiles on those. Get as much information as you can. Gather it all up. I know it can be overwhelming, but enjoy yourself. See what everybody has to say and then formulate your opinion. Don't let it just be from me or from me and a couple other channels. Get as much information as you possibly can. Enjoy that part of the process. And I promise you, you're going to make better decisions that way. All right. Now we're going to do something that is going to be a lot of fun to do. We used to do it back in the day and it was fun then. It's going to be fun now. Uh, unfortunately, it forces me to go into the YouTube comment section, which is not always my favorite thing to do, but we're going to do it anyway. We're going to do comment of the week. Now, sometimes Lisa will have a comment for me to react to in front of you live. If we could do it that way, that would be my preferred way of doing it because then I don't have to read hundreds and hundreds of comments on there because some of them make me so sad. But uh, I don't know how we're going to do it. It's all going to depend on whether Lisa brings them to me or not. But we're going to pick a comment every single week. These are not comments for us to ridicule. These are not comments for us to make fun of, although some of them we will. They might be good comments, but they're also not going to be, you guys are the best, thanks. You know, we're not going to waste your time with all of that. For whatever reason, the comment that we're going to do in that particular video stood out to us, whether it's good, bad, funny, silly, sad, whatever it is. And this week's comment comes from Mason the Tetra. The video actually was the video I just did last week on this tank here when I added the bird wrasse to that. He commented on that because I asked in that video, why haven't you tried a saltwater tank? And Mason's comment stood out to me like, oh, wait a minute. That's really not a reason to not try a saltwater tank. So here it goes. He said, I'm scared to go saltwater. I have a sump filter. I just don't know how, I think it's supposed to be no, how to set it up or care for it really. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm a little bit confused because Mason says, 
I have a sump filter and I just don't know how to set it up or care for it. Um, you know how that reminds me of? That reminds me of the wife who I love. My wife, Lisa. The only reason I can say this is because she's not sitting here with me right now. If I was to say this with her sitting across from me, she would probably throw something at me and it, and it would hurt my feelings. But Lisa is one of those people. I don't know how to do it, therefore I won't. It could be something as simple as, uh, did, you, did you look up that thing? Well, I didn't know where to look, so I, I didn't do it. Oh, okay. Or I don't know how to change that filter cartridge, so I haven't done it. Uh, oh, okay. I get on her all the time. I'm like, uh, there's this thing called learning. <laughs> there's this thing. It's an interesting concept. You don't know how to do something, so you look it up. We've got an unlimited supply of information in our pockets right now. There's no excuse for not learning how to do something. That's, that would be like saying, I don't know how to get to the hospital. I don't know where the hospital is. So when I cut my arm off, I just stayed home because I don't know how to get to the hospital. You know, come on. I mean, obviously, please, if you cut, cut your arm off, call an ambulance. They'll come get you. You don't need directions to the hospital. But you understand what I'm saying. It's, it's just dumb. I don't know uh, where there is a McDonald's, so I'm just not going to go eat. Okay, that was a bad analogy. I'm hungry right now, so <laughs> you understand what I'm saying. I don't know how to do it, so I'm just not gonna. Um, I don't like that excuse, Mason. And I'm gonna tell you right now, uh, taking care of a sump filter is so easy. It, it's so easy, it's almost ridiculous how easy caring for a sump is. It's easier than canisters because it's just sitting there you reach in, you do what you got to do, and, and you're done. You don't have to pull it out and unscrew everything and take it all apart. You just reach into the sump and, and do what needs to be done, whether it's cleaning out a sponge or, or whatever. It's very, very simple. I understand a sump filter, when you look at it, it can be a little intimidating because there's these partitions in there, and it's, it's a little bit confusing. But it's one of those things. It's like switching from Windows to Mac. I was terrified of that 15 years ago when I did it because I was so familiar with Windows. I was comfortable with Windows. The idea of switching to Mac was a nightmare to me. Wait a minute. If I want to X out of a page, the X is on the left and not the right. Oh, this is too intimidating. I don't know how to do it. Mac is just too much. But then once I learned it and it didn't take long, now I'm looking at it like this is the easiest thing in the world. Uh, people who don't use Macs are crazy people because they're just so simple. I don't need to be this wizard with how things work and all this kind of stuff. I don't need to know all these fancy algorithms to be able to go to some place that I, I just, it's just right there and it just works. Yeah, some people have their problems with Apple. That's fine. But for me, when it comes to computing, there's nothing easier than a Mac. And if I had been scared of it back then, I would have never given it an opportunity and I would have never had the joy that I have using computers now. This is the same kind of a thing. You are Mason set in your ways. You're like, well, I've got my hang on the back. I don't know what you have now, but you know, I got my hang on the back filters. I know how to take care of them. They're very simple. So that's what I do. And I'm, I'm, I'm intimidated by trying something new. I understand that part. But what I'm going to tell you is it's nothing to be afraid of, not even close to something to be afraid of. In fact, it is so, so simple. The concept of a sump might be a little bit intimidating, but once you learn what's going on, and it might be as simple as just turning it on, getting a sump running, and so you see the way the water flows through it, and you're like, oh, okay, well, that looks like a perfect little compartment to put the heaters and my pumps will go there. It's very easy when you see it in operation. Don't let a sump be something that confuses you and intimidates you away from a saltwater aquarium. Because at the end of the day, with a saltwater aquarium, there's really only one extra step. And if you're a certain kind of fish keeper, there's no extra steps 
to keeping a saltwater aquarium versus freshwater. Let's just compare these two tanks right here. Now, if you're listening to this on, on audio form, you're not gonna be able to see what I'm pointing to, but right behind me, I have a saltwater aquarium and an identically sized freshwater aquarium. They're both right next to each other. They both are on sumps, but we're not really gonna talk about sumps at this point anymore. We're talking about saltwater versus freshwater. In, in the peacock and hap tank, I change water. I, I should be doing it every week when I get the water changing system in place. I'll be doing it a whole lot more, but I, I do 50% water changes in that tank. And when I do my water change and I refill the tank, I put water conditioner in there. With the salt water tank, when I do a water change, when I am making my water to put back into the tank, I put salt in there. I don't have to worry about the chlorinator because it's RO water and it's been sitting for probably a month before I even use it. But I do need to put salt in there. It takes about as much time as putting water conditioner in the freshwater tank. Okay, maybe I'm exaggerating. It takes a little bit longer because you have to measure it and stuff like that. But when you know how to read a refractometer, you know how to mix the salt up. It's just putting this many cups in the water and you're done. You do a quick test, you make sure your levels are right, you put the water in, you're done. It's not even an extra step. It's just a step that takes a little tiny bit longer than putting water conditioner in it. It's not a big deal. Saltwater aquariums should not be as intimidating as they are. Unless, like I said in that video, you're talking about these extravagant reefs where you have these crazy corals that all have these high requirements and a lot of craziness that I can understand. But that's no different than somebody who has an aquarium, a you know, 55 gallon tank, and they've got a couple of crypts in there and a couple of rotalas, but they don't have these high tech plants that require this specific lighting and specific CO2 levels and the specific soil and everything has to be the same. It's very similar the amount of techiness that you can get into with a high-tech planted tank as what it is reef tank. We've got these high-tech situations on both sides. We don't have to be high-tech though. I don't have any of those high-tech planted tanks in my fish room. I, I just have simple planted tanks. It's very easy. Just like I have a simple, easy saltwater tank that doesn't have any corals in it that require all of those crazy pieces of equipment. If I was going to add corals in there, it would be corals that don't that also don't require all of that fancy equipment. So, it's very very simple to do. The maintenance is simple to do, and it's a whole new world. Everybody should try it. Do not let the preparation of the water or like in Mason's situation, it's just a confusing sump filter that I don't know how to use. Don't let that be something that scares you away from it. Instead, learn it. You'll realize it's very simple to do. And then you're going to open up a whole new world of this hobby that you're going to love very much. Don't poo-poo it, Mason the Tetra. Give it a chance. All right, and now it is time for... John's World! This is a segment on the podcast that we do every single week that has nothing to do with fish keeping. It is just something that's going on in my world. And we would do usually do Lisa's world too, but she's not here right now. So it's just going to be John's world today. I have something to talk about today that may be a little bit, just a little bit controversial. And I hope it's not because it shouldn't be. But I want to talk about something that I'm considering doing. And right now, I feel pretty okay about it, but I'm not absolutely certain. But I have to go back. I have to go back to uh, my childhood. My childhood, uh, there was one thing that we knew in the Hudson household. We knew that Sundays were football days. That's just the way it was. And in my house, I hope I'm not going to offend people. Jeez, I hope I'm not going to offend a bunch of white people. Uh, we watched the Redskins every Sunday. That's, that's what we did. That was what was going to be happening in my house on Sundays. One o'clock, we were going to be watching 
the Redskins. And this was back in the prime of the Redskins when they were a real team that people were afraid of because they had the hogs and they had absolute weapons. They were winning Super Bowls. It was unbelievable what this team was doing. And people were afraid of them back then. And in my household, you did not have an option to be a fan of anyone else. And it was in the day when you probably wouldn't socialize with someone if you found out that they were a Dallas Cowboy fan. Because we're Redskins fans. And if you're a Cowboy fan, you are the enemy. It never really was that way. Nobody would really fight or anything like that. But it was fun. It was a fun rivalry. And I loved it. I was so passionate about football. I can remember, I, I would have been nine years old. I can remember being at my parents' friend's house. Uh, their last name was Hillegas. They were my parents' best friends. We went over there all the time. They lived right down the road. We watched the 1983 Super Bowl against the Miami Dolphins there when John Riggins did the, uh, what was it, 70 chip white, or I forget what the play was called, where John Riggins, fourth and one on the 40-yard line, pushes that poor Miami Dolphins cornerback off of him with one hand. There's that famous photo of him with the ball and his hand is on the Dolphins helmet that poor guy was embarrassed that day and he ended up scoring a touchdown on fourth and one and they ended up going and, and winning that Super Bowl. I remember that happening. I remember the 88 Super Bowl. I remember it vividly because there was a guy that played on the Broncos. Uh, I think his first name was Tony, Tony Lilly. I could be wrong, but that guy was from where I grew up. He was from Woodbridge, Virginia. And uh, I, I swear, I think his name is Tony Lilly. And I can just remember seeing his back a lot because that's the score of that game was like 42 to seven or something like that, something outrageous. And what you saw in all of the highlights over and over and over again was Ricky Sanders or Gary Clark or Art Monk running a touchdown and Tony Lilly running behind him, chasing him down and never ending up catching him. I hope I got the receiver's names right because those are all former Redskins receivers. Uh, I don't know if they were in that particular game. I think they were. Ricky Sanders in 88? I, I think so. But the, the point of that is you see the back of Lily's jersey a lot in those highlights. Watch it on YouTube. The 1988 Super Bowl against the Broncos, you will see a lot of Tony Lilly's back. <laughs> because he's trying to chase down these receivers and never caught them. Uh, my mother went to the 1992 Super Bowl against the Bills in Minnesota. My family was a Redskins family. It was just in our blood, that's what we did. And we loved it. It was our passion. It was just, my, my mother and uncles shared season tickets to RFK Stadium. Just a, a, a beautiful thing to, as part of my family was to be uh, part of the Redskins family. And unfortunately, something happened in 1999. In 1999, a total scumbag bought the team. The team was for sale. It's not like he stole it from anybody, but the Cooks were the former owners and uh, they were beloved in the DC metropolitan area. They were beloved by Redskins fans. And when Cook Sr. passed away and passed the team down to his sons uh, or son, I don't know, they sold it for like $800 million to Daniel Snyder. And Daniel Snyder, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna do a whole thing about him, uh, but if you've ever watched five minutes of football, you know uh, he didn't do very many good things for the Redskins, uh, including changing their name, which I think was a mistake. Uh, I know, I know there's gonna be people that are offended by that, um, but when you read poll after poll after poll that, you know, nine out of 10 Native Americans were not offended by that name. Uh, it was basically white people that were offended by that name and they changed it anyway. Uh, that, that does bother me. You know, it's one of those things. I grew up for the first 46, 47 years of my life calling them Redskins. And then you take that away from me. That's just one of the things that happened. Um, I, I do not want to disrespect Native Americans. And if that is disrespectful, then I am sorry. But that's just 
what I called them my entire life. I have so much memorabilia with that logo on it. What am I supposed to do with that now? That's what they are to me. So many of this, so much of this memorabilia was given to me as gifts. Now I'm not, that's a problem for me, but that's not it. The, the name was kind of the icing on the cake. Um, the team has, it's been embarrassing to be a fan of that team for 20 years, more than 20 years, basically ever since that idiot bought the team. He's just, he's made a mess out of that team ever since he bought it. And, uh, and it's been not worth, the stadium is terrible. Uh, been there several times. I've, the only times I've ever enjoyed myself at the, the FedEx field, I guess it's still called. We don't live there anymore, so I don't know. But uh, FedEx field is what it's been called forever. Uh, the only time I've ever enjoyed myself there was when I went to events that were not Redskins games. <laughs> I enjoyed the heck out of it then, uh, concerts and stuff like that. The stadium is terrible. It's horrible for football. It's too expensive. The team is terrible. The worst decisions have been made over and over and over again with that team. Everything about it, it's just been an absolute nightmare. And then when you add to it the politics of the NFL over the last, I don't know, six, seven years, it's gotten particularly bad where they're just, I'm not going to get into it, but the NFL has become a political platform now, and I can't stand that. I want to detach from that kind of stuff and sit down on a Sunday afternoon and watch a ball game. Yeah, I got to sit through commercials every 30 seconds for a new beer or new thing. Uh, okay, that's fine, but that's, I want football. I don't want your politics. I don't care about your politics. I want to watch football. When you put that together with the name change and together with the fact that the team is just embarrassing to root for. I have not been a football fan for probably seven or eight years. I just had enough of it. It's just not my thing. It's embarrassing to root for that team. I'll tell you, whatever the years were when Robert Griffin III got hurt in the Seattle Seahawks game in the playoffs, that's when I was like, okay, that's enough. I can't can't I just can't anymore I can't root for this team anymore it's too bad uh I've been out ever since then but now I might be coming back I might be coming back why because the team got sold again I never thought it would ever happen the the Dan Snyder made so much money it's absolutely ridiculous he what a wise investment that was for him to make the team has been bought out. Magic Johnson is part of the, the team that bought this, this team, which I think is awesome. I love Magic Johnson. Who doesn't love Magic Johnson? Uh, the fact that he's involved with it is, is really, really cool. I don't know what his stake in it, but the primary owner, um, what's his name? I, I don't even know his name. I don't care. His name is not Dan Snyder. Josh Harris, I believe is his name. His name is not Daniel Snyder. That's the most important part to me. And that alone has made me say okay wait a minute maybe i'll check them out and i've been i've watched the first two preseason games preseason games suck i don't really care about preseason games but it's football and i watched and i watched the commercials every 30 seconds and I, and i kind of started to feel like i was kind of sort of maybe enjoying myself a little bit i still cannot get myself to call them the commanders i think that's a dumb name I think it, it makes no sense. The commanders. How come there can't be a baseball team and a football team that have the same name, like the Nationals or something like that? Commanders? I hate it. I hate that name. I hate it so much. Um, but I may be possibly starting to not hate the team. And, uh, and their quarterback is pretty exciting, isn't he? He's not a guy that's going to be running around with – legs the size of toothpicks like Robert Griffin III getting hurt every five minutes. He's a tough, scrappy little kid, that, not kid, but uh, and he's not little, but you know what I'm saying. It's going to stand back there in the pocket and make good decisions and throw the ball. Sam Howell, I might be a fan of this kid. I might be a fan of the Washington team again, and I might give it a chance. I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to give football a chance again. Um, hopefully the NFL doesn't spend the entire season making me hate myself 
with all of their politics. Um, I don't know, but I'm going to give it a chance. I'm not going to be this guy that's going to be going to Buffalo Wild Wings to watch the games on Sunday and having parties to watch the games. I'm not going to do all of that because um, I don't know anybody around here and we don't have a Buffalo Wild Wings around here. But I could see, especially when we get into the wintertime, Lisa cooks her fancy chili. And we sit down and we watch the ball game and eat chili and hopefully root for a team that isn't embarrassing. I could see that being a thing. I'm going to give it a try and uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know if it's going to work out or not, but at least I will not be putting money into the pocket of Daniel Snyder. That's all that matters to me. Uh, that guy took away 20 something years of my life and, and made me embarrassed to root for the team that I grew up loving so much and my family loved so much. And he took that away from me. And then he took the name away from me. I realize, you know, I can't, I can't really blame Dan Snyder for that, the political pressure and so many people. It, it, I understand why they did it. I don't like it. But I'm also not one of the people that would have been offended by that name. I'm just a white guy from Virginia. So I don't know if that name is offensive or not. Um, but it's, it's not offensive to me because I'm just a white guy from Virginia that now lives in North Carolina. So what do I know about that name? But it did break my heart to see that name get, get changed. Um, and maybe I'm a bad person for that. I don't know. But he took so much from me. And he's gone now. And this new guy, he's kind of a nerd. He's uh, the owner of a New Jersey team and a Philadelphia team. And now a Washington, D.C. team. I don't mind New Jersey, the Devils. That's fine. But uh, I don't like anything that comes out of Philadelphia. <laughs> it's always sunny in Philadelphia. That's about the only thing that's ever come out of Philadelphia that I've liked. But, hey, I'm not going to hold that against him. He grew up in D.C. He's a new owner. Maybe he's going to do some good things. I sure hope so. I'm going to give him a chance. Uh, we'll see where it goes, but let me know what you think about the NFL. And if you're a fan or did you like me, did you get scared away from the NFL because of their politics or because of the embarrassing owners there? I don't know. I'm rambling on at this point. This has been a lot of fun. I got to take Lisa's Lisa's world. You know, she's not here. So I got to do John's world a little extra long today because she's not here. But anyway, this has been a whole lot of fun. My throat is a wreck because I've been doing all of the talking. I, I got to give it a break. But thank you so much for hanging out with me here today. Hey, listen, we're really trying to get the audio version of this podcast to, you know, we're trying to get it out there so people can hear it and hopefully enjoy it. If you could do me the favor of sharing the audio podcast to somebody through Apple or through Spotify or, or any of those platforms, that would be a huge help for us. We're trying to get as many people out there when they're cutting their grass to listen to us instead of listening to that daggone Joe Rogan. What's that guy got? He ain't nothing. This is where we need to be, right? <laughs> I just made myself look like a total idiot. Joe Rogan's the best podcaster on planet Earth as far as I'm concerned, but that was fun to be able to say, what's he got? He ain't got nothing. Anyway, thank you all so much for watching. Go on our website, order up some spider wood. It's not going to last long, but the good news is we'll be able to get more as soon as we run out. This is why I have Lisa close us out on the podcast, because I take too long. Thank you once again for listening. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next week.